Okay, so uh, back at it. It is time for the Pistols Firing Podcast with your hosts, yours truly, Carson Cunningham. I mean, he's about as pretty as they get. Joined, as always, by Kyle Porter. When he breaks through and gets in the open, it's over. Gone. The Pistols Firing Podcast starts right now. We are back at it finally. Carson Cunningham back with you with Kyle Porter for the Pistols Firing Podcast. We apologize for kind of going on a hiatus here with the uh, the pandemic. And uh, Kyle and I have had some some big life events the last few weeks. Uh, Kyle, welcome back to the show. It's been a minute. It has been a while. We uh, There's been a lot going on, even though we haven't been able to really go anywhere or do anything. No, I know. I mean, you've been you've been way busier than me. I mean, I, I'm still doing Channel 5 stuff on the 10 o'clock show. It's been a lot of fun to to continue to do uh, the, the sports cast, but you've been You've been grinding on, on golf. I mean, PGA's coming back in June. You're, you're cranking out podcasts with like A-list golfing celebrities. Uh, <laughs> you've been very busy. I mean, I, I understand why, why you haven't been able to do the show lately. Yeah, it's, uh, there's been, it, it is funny because, you know, and we, we've talked about this, but you, you get into the, the pandemic stuff and people that I'm friends with or in my world are like, oh, it must be, you know, it must be nice to have a break. And I'm like, what break like now not only are we covering stuff but we're we're having to create the stuff that we're covering right whether that's a podcast or going back and watching an old game you know whatever and uh yeah i'm just i'm ready for stuff to be back at all i don't, I don't even want to say back to normal because i don't think that's a reality um at least in the near future but just for anything to be back at all to cover and to kind of move forward is, uh, is exciting. Hopefully will be exciting. Yeah. And you, on top of your job too, you've been busy, uh, moving, uh, is this, is the new shed? Like it's like, to me, it's like the death star on star Wars, which I know you don't watch movies, but you already had like this big badass shed, but now it's bigger and better. You're moving into a new one. It's been yeah, stressful well, for you. Well, we haven't, we haven't, we haven't moved over there yet, but yeah, the, the shed 2.0 is, uh, is being <laughs> constructed. Uh, it will be a little bit bigger so that when we do our in-person pods, we, we won't have to jam everybody into like, you know, 135 square feet. Um, yeah, I, I'm really excited about it. it it's going to be a lot of fun to have that kind you know, it's, it's funny because the, I, I sort of have built it or constructed everything around what my job is which is uh i i don't know that's it, it it's kind of I, I don't know if weird is the right word but i've been doing so much like video stuff for cbs and podcasting and, and all these different things and i'm like i'm making these decisions about a house about a shed based on like what what i'm doing right now which is not the way you normally i guess would like construct a house or whatever so uh, that's been a lot of fun. We've really enjoyed doing that as a family. The kids, the kids are never going to love the house as much as they love the construction of the house because they think <laughs> it's like the ultimate playground. Uh, no, nobody's stuck a foot through a nail yet, so that's good. But uh, yeah, it's been it's been a blast. So you got your like Sports Center or not Sports Center? That's competition. Your CBS Sports <laughs> HQ uh, like background all all envisioned in your head. I I do. I've got it. I've got it constructed in my head. I don't know if that's how it's actually going to go, but uh, yeah, excited to get to get over there. 
Well, it's been a while since we've done a podcast. Uh, you want to get to the first five? No, wait. We got to hear about your your news. Oh, yeah. Uh, I got engaged. <laughs> well, I, I didn't want to be like, oh, hey, Kyle, by the way, <laughs> I got engaged. I don't, know if you've, I don't know if you've heard. So if you didn't want to talk about it, I'm cool with well, well, about it. What, what was... Uh... What, okay, so I, I I'm thinking back on on when I got engaged and and what that was like and everything. What what at what point were you the most nervous? Because I remember there being a lot of nerves around my like specifically the way that I proposed. But what what was it like for you in terms of where were you like? Oh my gosh! Like this is this is incredibly nerve wracking. Well, let me kind of set the scene here. I mean, it's obviously during a pandemic we're we're basically living at her house to where she's there i can't like set anything up without basically kind of giving away what's happening but i tried to say like we're just doing a date night she did one the week before where she set stuff up and so (laughs) i had these balloons that said like will you marry me julie and like i was gonna hang them i had it all mapped out i had these flowers to make in like a heart shape and of course, the Oklahoma wind just took out these balloons in like 10 seconds. So I had to abort that really fast. I had to cut them down, put them away. Uh, so I get everything set up and I'm just sweating bullets, just trying to make sure everything looks nice. And to answer your question, it, it's really when I got down on one knee and started talking. I, I, I should have like done all the talking before I got down on one knee because once I got down on one knee, I kind of blacked out for a second. And <laughs> she like... Of course, I said, will you marry me? And she said, yes. And I stood up and I didn't remember asking the question or what she said or if she said yes. Yeah, I was like, no, wait, no, I was like, wait, did I, did I ask, will you marry me? She's like, yes, you did. And I said, yes. yeah. Oh, okay. Like I, it's weird too. Cause like there was no real suspense. We've talked about it for, for quite some time. Like I, there was not a chance of her saying no, but like I still was just as nervous as I've probably ever been in my life. It's, it's a strange thing. It is weird how you don't remember like the, 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 like you remember the overall thing, like you'll never forget that part, but the specifics of it, your, your mind is like out of control and like you, <laughs> you, you can't like pinpoint like what is going, like what's happening like in the moment. It's very, it's a weird, like str- it's a very strange feeling. Yeah. It was surreal and I did black out for a second, but it's, it's very <laughs> exciting. Uh, we've been dating two years and we're excited. So it's, it wasn't ideal conditions. We're having a lot of trouble getting a, getting a ring finally made with the pandemic, but, uh, we, we got the, the hard part out of the way. So we're, we're doing, we're doing great. Sounds like we need a jewelry sponsor for the podcast. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> so submit all inquiries. Uh, well, congratulations, dude. I, I'm really excited for you. Uh, I know you, you were, you worked on that for a while and, yeah, it's just it, it's a, it's an exciting life event that deserves to be celebrated even in the midst of a weird difficult time. Yep, it was uh it was thrilling. I'm glad I got it done, but uh we have a lot to talk about OSU related. Kyle, it's been a while since we've done a show. You ready to get to the uh, mid first five? Or psh, crap. You can tell I've done this in a while. The first five. The first five. Yeah, by the way, we're doing this on uh we'll just we'll give a shout out to Mid First. We're, we're still like them. You know, they're not sponsoring the pod anymore, but friends of the show. Yeah, they're great. Um, we're doing this on Zoom, Carson. So I, I'm. We kind of jumped into it. I'm not totally sure if we're like. I might be yelling right now. You might be like super quiet. I have no idea how the audio is going to come out on this. But uh, our microphones, I think, are working better on Zoom. So maybe, possibly, good riddance to Skype. Um, 
but yeah, we, we would love feedback on just kind of what it, what it sounds like on Zoom. Big, big year for Zoom. Big, big year to own some Zoom stock. Yeah, I wish way. I had, wish I, you know, Zoom stole my idea, essentially, Kyle. Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I think they started, <laughs> they started in like 2009, I think. Okay, well, maybe they had a head start on me, but we've had so many issues with Skype. I was always like, man, we should just create an alternative to Skype that you can just record on right then and there. And I obviously don't know the first thing about creating a, a software company. So I never did anything. And <laughs> now Zoom's reaping the benefits, but I digress. So Zoom stock uh, January 1 was 68 bucks. And right now it's $146. I <laughs> wish I had invested in Netflix too. Yeah. Yeah. I may or may not um, have had Netflix a year ago and sold it. Mm, that's tough. Okay, let's get to, uh, yeah, let's get to the first five. Brought to you by Chris's University Spirit, your one-stop cowboy shop on Campus Corner, and be sure to shop online at chrisuniversityspirit.com. One other thing on Chris's, um, they are. Have you have you gotten into the mask game yet? Have you have you been in any situations where you've had to uh, to wear a mask? Yeah, I mean, I've gone grocery shopping and stuff, and I don't really like. I don't really have a mask per se, but I've used like a bandana or like a, a scarf or something to cover my face just because I feel like, you know, I'm young and, and healthy, but I feel like I feel like such an a-hole walking around without one <laughs> in like the store, you know, like people, like yeah. older people looking at me like, who's this, who's this young kid trying to spread germs, you know? So yeah. I've been doing my best to try to be a good Samaritan. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. I, I feel the exact same way. And Mrs. Pistols is currently making our family some masks. But uh, the thing I want to say is Chris's is actually selling uh, OSU mask, which is kind of cool. They've got the, I don't know if you've seen these, Carson. They've got the, uh, the script Cowboys, like the cursive Cowboys, um, like the basketball uniforms. They've got that on a mask. They've got an OSU branded one. Uh, so if you go to their, if you go to their website, chrisuniversityspirit.com uh, and just search uh, OSU face mask, essentially, uh, that you can buy them there. 15 bucks. They're really cool looking. So if people are looking for that, um, yeah, chrisuniversityspirit.com. Uh, while we're here, I'm on Chris's website. Uh, have you seen this OSU retro V-neck jersey for baseball? Uh I don't, I don't think I have. I it's don't, pretty, I don't. it's pretty filthy. It's the OSU retro, you know, the Oklahoma state with the bat, Oklahoma state. Uh, it's like a, like a 19, like 82 V neck Jersey. It's pretty freaking sweet. So check that out on Chris's university spirit as well. I don't know if I'm a V neck guy. Well, I mean, I'm not really a V neck guy per se. I was back in like 2005, but this is like <laughs> a, this is like a, this is like a retro Jersey. Like it fits the time. So do you like it, it, Porter? That's great. Oh, I, oh, I, I see it. it. OSU retro bat V-neck jersey. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. I mean, come on. I mean, yeah. you know how many frat bros need to be rocking that at the, at the games <laughs> whenever they continue? I know I would have been. Okay, let's get to the first five. Yeah, I mean, uh, we haven't talked in a long time. So no, number one, obviously, Kyle is the latest on the, the pandemic and, and all of those different scenarios that college football's attempting to come up with as we are in, in, in April and May and going into June. I know you wrote a column about it on, on PFB and, you know, Mike Gundy took a lot of heat for saying everything should be open May 1st. State of Oklahoma opened on May 1st. You got Bob Bowlesby 
talking about a split season with, with between uh, fall and then and then on into the spring. So, Kyle, there's a lot of different scenarios, but man, a lot's happened since the last time we spoke. Yeah, a lot has, and and I think my view on this has changed quite a bit over the last month, even over the last couple of weeks. I I do think there's gonna going to be a college football season. Uh, I think the incentive to do it is astronomical and um i i think it's going to happen i i think that just based on the way people are talking publicly i haven't i haven't talked to anybody privately about this i don't i don't think anybody i don't i don't know that anybody's talking privately in a, in a different way than they're talking publicly other than formulating potential plans cuz i don't i don't think people know people don't know anything i mean you just don't know what the what the next two weeks or two months is going to hold. But I think the interesting part is you're getting to, to kind of decision time, like here in the next month or so for like, Hey, what's actually going to be the plan. And I think now you've run into the scenario where the biggest hurdle is getting 130 FBS teams on the same page. So you're going to have, most of them are going to be open probably for the fall, but you're going to have some Carson that might not be. And so if you have a school that's not open, and can't play football like does that mean the other 129 can't or the other 127 can't or whatever um but i i i I think i don't think that's what it means i think they are going to play i think it's going to be a little bit delayed and i'm kind of okay with it being delayed a little bit because i it means you get a it probably means that you get a december that's full of football you know how we always have that like weird lull in december Mm-hmm. Uh, like after the the uh, conference title games before the bowls and stuff i think some of that might get erased and you just get you just kind of play it all the way through hopefully but that i don't know that's kind of where i've landed as of right now is that is that where you're at as well yeah i agree with you and i it's not something i really put a ton of thought in in terms of you know oklahoma and oklahoma state came out and said they were expecting students in the fall and that became a huge headline kyle but i of course they're planning on that. They can't, yeah. they can't say we're not planning on that because then they're not doing their job. So I, I didn't make a whole – I didn't think that was as groundbreaking a news as some people made it out to be. But to your point, like if Oklahoma and Oklahoma State are open and the University of Texas is not, I don't know how you play college football. You don't. I mean, you can't – if the campuses aren't open, I don't know how you play college football against one another. Uh, so to your point, I, I do think it will be delayed slightly. I don't agree at all with Bob Bowlesby's plan of – it's not necessarily his plan, but his idea that you know they could potentially begin late in the fall, put it on hold during flu season, and then come back in the spring. That just seems like complete and total chaos. But, but the, the bottom line here, Kyle, and I think one thing we've learned throughout all of this is they have to play. Like It's a matter of when, not if, because we're already seeing universities cancel, straight up just – cancel other sports university of cincinnati canceled men's soccer because they can't afford it they have to play college football to keep these university athletic programs afloat so i think everyone would be willing to delay the start of the season delay it into december like you said perhaps even later if that's what it takes until there's some more clarity but they're gonna play and i can't envision a scenario where they they play with a, a full stadium either yeah, no, I, I agree. I, I, I have flipped a little bit from thinking that it would be completely empty stadiums to envisioning, I don't know, 
20% capacity, basically like what you get at Kansas every Saturday, right? Like the <laughs> Go watch basketball, as Baker <laughs> Mayfield told them. Uh, so, something like that. I, 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 I could envision that. I mean, look, though, the, the bottom line on all this is that you've got to you've got uh, let's take Oklahoma State for example their their revenue their budget essentially it, it kind of uh goes back and forth between 85 95 million some years you might be a little higher some years you might be a little lower they're not going to bring in that kind of revenue this year Carson I mean they're they're just they're just not like they just they can't uh based on I mean I guess they could uh everything would have to go in a direction that it's currently not going in uh, for that to happen, but the likelihood is that they're going to be way under those numbers. And if that's true, even if they play the season, you're gonna you're you're looking at a scenario in which money's going to be cut from some different places. And I don't I don't know where I don't, I don't know how that's going to play out for the athletic department. Um, and that that part of it is really I you know I don't know if people care about that, but I certainly have been intrigued by how some of that is going to play out in terms of where are you going to cut $10 million from? Where are you going to cut 20 million? Or, I mean, if the season isn't played, season isn't played, I don't know what exists. I don't know how any of this exists anymore, you know, and, and Mike Holder's kind of said the same stuff. So I don't know. I'm really, I'm really fascinated by it all. I think it's going to be really intriguing. Well, that's why they're going to play. <laughs> they're going to figure out a way to play because they have to, to stay afloat. Uh, maybe that's, you know, some of their more minor sports, changing the schedules to where they can can bus somewhere instead of chartering a plane. I think that's where Mike Holder has to put on his his budgeting cap, which is a large part of his job. And and let's face it, he he's been excellent at that. He got Karsten Creek built in the middle of the, the middle of a field out in the middle of Stillwater. So I'm sure he'll figure it out. But um, Yeah, he's 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 really good with stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, he, he's that's and again, one of his best. Yeah, sorry. It is one of his best deals. And, and again, like you said, too, like we're way too early in this. This is going to change week to week, let alone month to month. So we'll just have to wait and see. Yeah, it is. But they, I mean, you know, if you're the Big 12, you, you, you have to start to make a call like, I don't know, beginning of what, July, end of June, middle of I, I don't I don't know. I don't know what the date is. So so yes, we're far away and things will change, but also the decision date is kind of getting a little bit close. Yeah. And what about this, Kyle? Chuba Hubbard, Tylen Wallace chose to come back. What if this stretches into next spring, which is getting close to the NFL draft? Well, how does that affect them? That that's a I think that's a major question for OSU. Now, I obviously think they, they want to play for OSU. That's why they decided to come back. But if this starts getting close to next year's draft, I don't know. It's a, that'd, be, that'd be a big question mark for me. Yeah. And, I mean, of all seasons for this to happen, look, like you never want a pandemic to happen. But <laughs> a year in which Chuba and Tyler are coming back, you got Cade Cunningham. And now all of it's just up in the air. You're like, come on, that's, <laughs> it's just, it's not a, it's not a, the timing of it. If we're talking sports only is, is, uh, it's not great. I don't, I don't think you're prepared to talk about Cade not coming to OSU. So let's, let's move on. Shall we? No, I'm, I have, I have not emotionally, 
uh, <laughs> like I have not created enough emotional fortitude to discuss that publicly on the podcast. Yeah. That would be like Gerald green and, and, and on steroids. So let's yeah. move on. Yeah. Uh, n- number yeah. two, uh, OSU golfers in the news, Kyle, uh, Matthew Wolf and Ricky Fowler are teaming up to face Rory McIlroy and Dustin Johnson in a charity skins game. Uh, I guess, for people wondering why Wolf's included with those three, it's a tailor-made event, and he's a tailor-made sponsored golfer. So that, that's why the youngsters playing with those big names, Kyle. But, man, OSU's going to be front and center. i got to imagine Ricky and, and, and Wolf will be wearing some orange during that. Yeah, it's, uh, it's kind of cool. Uh, that'll, that'll be fun. I, I'm really excited about – so it's being played at, uh, at Seminole, and that's kind of a – it, it's not under the radar. People know about it, but it, it, it's not, uh, it, it hasn't really been on national television. Apparently it's, a, and I haven't been there, but if you talk to people who know golf architecture, it's amazing. Um, Wolf is a massive personality. So is Rory. Ricky's really, I think, good in, in situations like that. DJ will do DJ stuff. And uh, it, it, I, I think it'll be fun. I, I think I, 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 tell me this, are you more excited about this one or about the Tiger Phil, uh, Peyton Manning, Tom Brady one? Oh, I mean, Tiger and Phil, I mean, I, uh, just cause of Tiger, the Tiger factor. And I love and but I'm kind of upset. Why is Tom Brady and, and Tiger not on the same team? Why is Peyton Manning on Tiger's team? Like the two goats need to be on the same team. Would that just not be fair? Well, I think Peyton and Tiger are closer. Oh, well, I don't like that. And Brady and Mickelson have their like diet things going on, so they can talk about that. I don't. They I can don't talk know. about their 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 uh, intermittent fasting together. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> avocado ice cream and coffee blends and all that stuff. Yeah, but I, I like the format. The skins match is gonna be cool. Like you mentioned, Seminole is this like this elitist country club that no one's really seen before so it's going to be a really cool venue to for people like myself i'm really into golf and i don't know a thing about Seminole. i just know they put on some crazy member guest tournament where the t-sheet gets put out on social media every year and everyone wishes yeah, they were there yeah. it's got a better <laughs> field than like 75 percent of the pga tour <laughs> right so it's to me it's a huge opportunity for matthew wolf kyle i mean a lot we all obviously know about him uh, covering OSU and the big year he had. And obviously he won his first season on the PGA Tour. But, but it's, a, it's a huge opportunity for him to become a household name. And I think that's why TaylorMade put him in there. TaylorMade's like, we, we signed him for how much money? Put him in there with Ricky and Rory and those guys. And let's make some more money <laughs> off him. So it's, it's a great deal for him. And I think he's going to win over a lot of fans. Like you said, he's got a huge personality. He hits it as far as DJ does, if not further, and, and Rory and those guys. So it'll be a lot of fun. Yeah, though, though, I think they, I think it's a good, for whatever reason in my head, like this group works together. Like it just, it meshes well together. Um, maybe it won't play out like that. Uh, and maybe you, you leave thinking, man, I wish JT was there. I wish John Rahm was there, somebody like that. But I, I just, I think, I think it'll work and I think it'll be a lot. I think it'll be cool. Yeah. I mean, uh, Ricky and Wolf are, are huge underdogs already. Like Ricky and, and Wolf did an interview with Mike Tirico on NBC Sports. And Ricky had already seen kind of the chatter on social media and said they were kind of, they were looking forward to being underdogs. And, and they, they have to be. I mean, Rory's the current number one. DJ was the number one he replaced in the world. So uh, they get to kind of cut it loose and, and try to upset the two big dogs. 
Yeah. And I think, I think if you're betting on this and probably a lot of people will be, uh, I think the bet is Ricky and Wolf for sure. Because I think, I think the, um, the level at which they will be an underdog will like, they, they won't be as big of an underdog as Vegas makes it seem like they are. Yeah. If I had to, I haven't looked at odds on this yet, but if I had to handicap it, I'd say Rory and DJ would be like minus, 350 to 400 and Ricky and, and Wolf probably plus 200 would be my guess. That's kind of where I would handicap it, but I'm not living in Vegas. Uh, you ready? Uh, oh, you looking up odds? On. The odd, yeah, the odds are out. It's uh, Fowler and Wolf plus 175. Mm, that was close. What did you say? Plus 200. Okay. And then... The other one, Tiger and Peyton Manning, is minus one fifty. I would take. I would. I. I would take the underdogs in both of these. Yeah, I would too. It's a skins. Skins game. Anything can happen. It's not like they're playing just pure yeah. stroke play. Yeah. Okay, number three. Uh, I thought was, Kyle Boone wrote this. Am I? Am I correct on the yes. seven recruiting what ifs in Oklahoma State history? This was a fantastic stroll, if not a heartbreaking stroll for OSU fans down memory lane. Um, he talked about Ryan Broyles flipping at the last second from Oklahoma or from Oklahoma State to Oklahoma. Talked about Ronald Jones flipping the USC last minute. That one stung. And the other one that really stuck out to me was I forgot Obo Okoronkwo was an Oklahoma State commit and flipped to OU's. And Obo went yeah. on to obviously becoming a great player for Oklahoma. And Laquan Treadmill, Ole Miss, Devin Thomas flaming out, and then the uh, Tyron Johnson committing the first time. So it was, it was a fun article, if not a heartbreaking one, Kyle. Yeah, it, yeah, it is fun. Um, I think the Broyles one is the most, like my, my favorite, what if we've talked about this probably my favorite, what if in Oklahoma state history is the potential of having Broyles, Dez and Justin Blackman on that 2010 team. So that would have been Dez's senior year. That was Blackman's breakout year, and that would have been Broyles' probably sophomore, junior year, something like that. And you would have had, what, three of the eight best receivers in Big 12 history? Three of the ten best? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what, yeah. your, what your list would be. But obviously, Dez left early, um, so he wasn't going to stay. And Thanks, then NCAA. Broyles never came, so he wasn't there. But that, that to me, is a – it's a multiple-pronged what-if, but it's a pretty good one. To me, the Ryan Broyles switch on signing day isn't just one of the biggest what-ifs in Mike Gundy history. I think, it's, I think it might be up there as the biggest what-if in OSU history. Because not only does Ryan Broyles go on to be – the all-time leading receiver in NCAA history. Like, just think about that. This wasn't just a guy who had a great career. He, he, had, one of, he had the best career in the history of the sport at Oklahoma. Uh, not only does he slip out of your fingers, he goes to your rival Oklahoma when you're going to war with Oklahoma every year to win the Big 12. I mean, remember the punt return he had in the, in the game that OSU got shut out? I mean, he scored a touchdown as a freshman with Sam Bradford in Bedlam. He really affected Big 12 titles. And, uh, like, you're right. I mean, him and Blackman together, because, again, Dez apparently had lunch with Dion and the NCAA idiotically kicked him out of school. But uh, just to, to envision him just with Blackman would be just 
out of this world good with with Brandon yeah. Whedon. Are you kidding me? Uh, so that one to me, Kyle, yeah. will always be the number one. Uh, Boone had it at two behind Ronald Jones, but for me, that that will always be number one. Speaking of Whedon, uh, young young Marshall Scott had a he wrote a hot take of the day the other day, and he had uh, Rudolph as being better like a better quarterback than Brandon Whedon. Do you have any Do you have any thoughts on that? What was his argument? Just longevity. Yeah, and you know, I think there, I think there is an actual argument to be made in terms of uh, Whedon threw a lot of picks uh, in a lot fewer seasons. Rudolph didn't turn it over very much, and Rudolph ran a lot more. Like he scored a lot of rushing touchdowns. Um, yeah, he thought he was JW. Yeah, and then he did, and then uh, the other one was offensive line play. Like Whedon had a, a an elite offensive line, and. Rudolph did not. I mean, Rudolph's sack numbers are staggering. If you go back and look at some of the numbers, especially from early on. And so I think you kind of combine some of that stuff. I just look like, and I get it. I I thought Rudolph was, was awesome. I thought he was really good. I think pretty clearly the second best quarterback in Oklahoma state history, but I know what I watched. Right. And if my life is on the line and Oklahoma state, an Oklahoma state team has to go 90 yards for a touchdown. I'm picking Brandon Whedon. I'm not taking Mason Rudolph. Yeah. And, and look, I'm not here to slander Mason Rudolph. He, no, that his, yeah, his, I mean, his, his degree of difficulty. I would agree with Marshall was significantly higher. I mean, he had no offensive line. He had no running game hardly at all. Uh, he really had to do it. Basically just him and James Washington had to do it themselves there early in his career. Obviously that changed by the time they got to 2017, but my argument would always be some of those games that Mason had and those losses, the, the three-loss season in 2017, did, did Whedon ever play as bad as some of those? I would, I would say no. What was Whedon's probably worst game? I mean, it, I think his worst game would, would pale in comparison to, to some you know, of Mason's performances. You know what one of his worst games numbers-wise was? Well, it had to be Iowa State. He threw like four picks. Uh, yeah, but he threw, he also threw like four, 800 yards. That game. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it was actually the, uh, the Bedlam game in 11. Yeah. Statistically. Cause they just ran it down their throat. It's not like he had a bad game per se. Well, but I think he threw like a pick and only threw for like 180 or something. I'm just making numbers up, but, uh, I'm going to look it up. Cause I think that was one of his worst ones, but I, I, I agree with what you're saying. Also, uh, I think his hands were a little bigger than Mason's as well. Yeah, maybe a little less clammy, a little less sweaty. Because <laughs> the fun issues not, were a real thing. I'm I'm with you. I'm not here to like talk trash about Mason Rudolph. He's unbelievable. Like he was so good for so long. And I think that matters. I think playing three or four years at a high level, I really think that matters a ton. Could have been five years if the redshirt rule had been in place. Um so yeah, I think it's probably, I think it's actually closer than maybe people would think just right off the top, but I still go Wheaton. Uh, on that subject, number four, Kyle, uh, 24-7 Sports wrote a column called BCS Busted, What If OSU Beat Iowa State in 2011, uh, considering we're talking about Brandon Whedon. Uh, there's a bunch of scenarios that play out. Obviously, the playoff comes out as a result of this. Uh, Les Miles potentially could have stayed longer at LSU considering he he could have had a second national championship 
he had played OSU or number three, Mike Gundy could be a national champion. Would he have taken another mm-hmm. job somewhere else? And uh, perhaps Nick Saban doesn't have as many titles as well. So that was a, another, again, another painful walk down memory lane for OSU fans. But uh, look, I'm on record on this. OSU would have beaten LSU. I mean, people can argue with me all they want about LSU running it down OSU's throat, uh, their defense giving uh, Justin Blackman and Brandon Whedon problems. Brent, Brandon Wee and Justin Blackman didn't have problems. They were going to score. And OSU's defense led the nation in turnovers. And Jordan Jefferson, I'm sorry, was a walking turnover waiting to happen. And they would have – Jamie Blatnick would have gotten all, got all over him. And uh, that would have been that. So OSU would have had a, a national championship if – for some reason, they decided to have a rematch in a two-team playoff. It, it still boggles my mind how that how that happened. I think that's your your favorite what if is Oklahoma State beating LSU in the title game. Blackman going for about two hundred and two touchdowns. Uh, Whedon fist pumping before he lifts the the, the crystal ball. Yeah, that that would it, it is. It is crazy because people bring this up. I, I'm always hollering about how if you look at the evidence in the recruiting rankings era, there hasn't been a team that would have recruited as poorly as Oklahoma State that's, that's won a title. I mean, not even close. It would have been – they would be like the major outlier if they had gone on to win the title that year. And people are always hollering about that. And, and, it, and I think that's fair. I think it's fair to holler about it. Um, they did have such an anomaly in Whedon being the quarterback. Like your most important guy is like, it, it just, it didn't, you know, he comes from baseball, he's older. Like that was such an, a, an outlier thing that doesn't, it just doesn't happen. I mean, it, it happens every once in a while and, and it works out, but um, that would have been that title game, if it had taken place, would have been fascinating on so many different levels, uh, whether it's recruiting or Oklahoma State or, you know, spread or Big 12 versus SEC, spread versus not spread. And Gundy less. We were robbed of Gundy yeah. versus less for a national championship. Like that storyline alone should have been the matchup. I mean, I know. And to, I know. to counter your point about the recruiting stuff, Kyle, I think you could argue that teams that recruit on OSU's level haven't been given the opportunity to win a national championship. OSU, case in point, you got Kirk Herbstreit on ESPN saying the eye test tells him that Alabama is just better, even though the resumes weren't even close. So, like, I think people just kind of change the, the sliding scale to who they want to see in the national championship game. They wanted a blue blood. They got it. Even though the resumes, you put them – remember, I think you were posting back then in 2011, the blog was just – what a year to start a blog, by the way. 2011 yeah but you were posting just the blind resumes and it wasn't even close so I think teams like OSU haven't been given an opportunity I think Oregon when they lost to Auburn and they could have won that game would have been kind of the closest comparison to an OSU because that was really before Oregon started getting five-star guys yeah and the other compare I mean the other ones are like uh who was it Washington they played in the in the Peach Bowl where they just got hammered by I think yeah was it Alabama? Yeah, they got like, shut out. <laughs> yeah, this was like – and then Michigan State. Actually, I don't think Washington played Alabama. Who did they play in that game? I don't know. Maybe it was. Maybe it was Clemson. One of the, whatever. But, um, yeah, I think, I, think, I think your point is fair because I think that – and this is why – we don't need to open this can of worms. This is why there should be a 
clear path to being able to play for the title to where it's not an arbitrary thing decided by humans or computers that rely on human bias data in, in the polls. Like you, you should, you should just like, if you win your conference, you should be in a playoff. We, I'm sorry to open that up, but that's kind of where the conversation led. <laughs> that's a whole other pot, I guess we've, yeah, let's get to, let's get to five. Uh, something uh, that's not heartbreaking for OSU fans is, is Mike Boyden kept it rolling and recruiting. Uh, rivals named them a top five class in the country. Kyle, it, it appears OSU is uh, back to where they belong in terms of basketball talent. And uh, obviously there's a lot to be decided with Cade Cunningham. It's, it's making OSU fans a little nervous that his contemporaries in his recruiting class are starting to go to the G League and foregoing going to college. That's a concern. But Man, is Mike Boynton killing it on the recruiting trail or what? Yeah, he's done a great job. I think I think obviously the Cunningham stuff is what sticks out, but this kid Carson from Canada. What's the deal with the Canada stuff, by the way? You got Chuba, you got Ogbong Bamiga. I haven't said that in a while, obviously. Um, and now Matthew Alexander Moncrief. I was texting uh, one person in the organization just I, I said where do where do I sign up for the Moncrief fan club like do I submit my <laughs> do I submit my application here or do I take it elsewhere and uh, I think that I think that within OSU basketball obviously they're excited about about Kate Cunningham why would you not be he's one of the one of the best recruits in the history of of the recruiting era of the last 20 years but the Moncrief kid from Canada I think that they're really excited about it. I mean, it's, it's less of a sure thing, obviously, than Cade, but I think they're really excited about his potential. Yeah, I mean, those two together is, is, is special. And, again, I, there's just so many variables coming up with this, with this season and when it's going to start and if Cade's coming or not. But to me, you know, even if things don't work out with Cade, and look, I, th- I, th- I think things will. I'm, I don't mean to say they won't. But even if they don't, Kyle, like Mike Boyne's going to be getting dudes. And that's, that's really all that matters in the Big 12. I mean, it's such, a, it's such a well-balanced league that you just look at the success Scott Drew's had at Baylor. I didn't think he could coach himself out of a paper bag when he started at Baylor. I just did not think he was a good coach. He obviously was a young coach and has learned, and I think he's become an excellent coach. His resume speaks for itself. Year in, year out, they're one of the better teams in the country. Now they're, they, were, they got up all the way to number one this year. So I think OSU is going to be just fine with Mike Boynton. I think he's already proven he can coach his first few years winning on the road at Kansas and West Virginia. So even if things don't work out okay, and I think they do, I think OSU has found their guy, and he, I think he's going to do very, very well because he's getting the talent. He gets it. He gets what Oklahoma State basketball is. He talks about it all the time. He's super well-liked. Uh, I could not be more – pleased with Boynton's off-court success. Now, I need to see some on the court, but I, I'm just thrilled with the job he's done so far in terms of revitalizing OSU basketball. Have you seen this guy they're recruiting for uh, the 2021 class, Khalil Brantley from New York? I have not. A New Yorker, oh. a native New Yorker like, like Mike Boynton. He's like way off the radar, but I was watching his stuff and looking at some of the quotes. His coach um, – it's it's uh he has a he has a woman coach actually at, at uh, he goes to boys and girls high school in brooklyn and she said he's the he's the she called him the best guard in new york or wow. in new york city i guess 
and compared him to uh, like the the other former players that had gone to his high school or guys like Lenny Wilkins, uh, Pearl Washington. She said he's the best player. He's the best player to come through their school since Pearl Washington in like the early 1980s. <laughs> I mean, Pearl the Pearl. You need, to, you need to you need to go you need to go watch his his tape because it is. Uh, yeah, it's it's pretty impressive. I'm excited about it. <laughs> well, you know, Mike can just take him on the subway and show him his old his favorite spots around Brooklyn and win him over. I mean, who, who, that's an inside track to me. You think He's, Coach K is doing that? <laughs> no, I think uh, I think Mike's lacing up his Jays and and taking him on the subway. That would be awesome. Speaking of Jays, we're going to talk about Jays here in a second. Let's uh, let's hear one more time from our sponsor, Chris's University Spirit. We'll come back and wrap things up. Chris's University Spirit on Campus Corner in Stillwater, Oklahoma is proud to be your one-stop cowboy shop since 1986 and proud sponsor of this podcast, Pistols Firing. They specialize in custom-printed Oklahoma State apparel and merchandise and pride themselves on their excellent customer service. They also offer a full line of custom Greek apparel and can even outfit your Little League team head-to-toe. They're located at the corner of 3rd and Knobloch on Historic Campus Corner. You can follow them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And be sure to shop online at chrisuniversityspirit.com. Shop Stilly. Shop Chris's University Spirit. Okay, Carson. uh, I have not – this is embarrassing. I have not watched The Last Dance yet. Oh, my gosh. I know. I know. Uh, But I know that you want to talk about it. and. Uh, you want to talk about it specifically related to uh, to Jordans, to the shoes. Um, yeah. Did what, you have a pair you, growing up? I did. I had the ones, uh, I think they were like the sixes where they cro- the straps crossed in the middle. Yeah, I think those might be the sevens. I had the sixes, which didn't have a strap. Uh, I forget, like uh, Marshall's yelling at his computer right now because he's the jordan maestro he knows all the numbers by heart but uh i had the sixes and uh i didn't really know what i had kyle like i I remember having them but like i didn't know they were going to become what they are now you know uh obviously but it was super cool to watch the documentary and you need to watch it but it, it hasn't really had much groundbreaking behind the scenes stuff as i kind of would have hoped a lot of the story i already know but one of the most fascinating things to me was Jordan liked Adidas. He wore Adidas in high school and college. That's what he wanted to sign with. And his mom made him get on a plane to go hear the pitch from Nike. And at that time, Nike was just kind of a track shoe, kind of up and comer, new, new company. And they, they expected to do $3 million in sales in the first four years. They did $126 million in the first year. Wow. <laughs> and so they, they talk about the shoes that he wore and everything else. And, we all know, Kyle, that the Jordan 11s are the ones that are my favorite. Um, that, uh, that's what Mike Boynton's rocking a lot of the times, too. So, Yeah, so I, I'm looking at the, the list now. I had the, uh, what is that, the eights with yeah. the straps that cross. I think, I think you can make an argument for everything up until the 13s just being phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Like, the ones are classic. The threes are sick. The fours, the fives, the sixes, uh, the nines, I think, are underrated. I think the tens are kind of awesome. And then, obviously, the elevens, the twelves are good. The thirteens are kind of a classic. 
but the early ones are the ones that you kind of go back to and you're like, those are, those are awesome. <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, it was pretty cool. And it, I guess when Jordan came back to or his final game in Madison Square Garden, he wore the Jordan 1s just because mm. that was the first shoe he wore in Madison Square Garden. He wanted it to be the last shoe. And he was having an awesome game and didn't want to take them off, even though they were hurting his feet. And his feet were like <laughs> cut and bleeding. They were hurting so bad, but he couldn't take them off. I thought that was pretty cool. That's so, awesome. That's, that's a great. that's a uni stroll down memory lane, the, the Jordans. Yeah. I need to uh I need to go watch it. I, I've got we've been we've been grinding out episodes of the Great British Baking Show with the kids. Uh, this is this is dad life. Um, it's oh, I've been watching some bad. I've been watching bad TV too. I don't mean to. Well, this is this haven't. isn't bad TV. It's 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 really fun and well produced, and it, it's really well done. Um, but yeah, they they don't uh, they would rather do that than the Last Dance. I think. Yeah, I hear you. So, um, okay, this was fun. Do you have one interesting thing? I have one interesting. Thing. Oh, uh, finish go ahead. on that. You, Let's yeah, finish on mine. Okay. Uh, Barry Trammell's been doing these columns on what ifs since, since I think this goes well with our recruiting what ifs. And what he did was what if Eddie Sutton hadn't returned to his alma mater? What if like the Kentucky mm. thing had worked out and he had success and didn't get in trouble? Well, who boy, uh, the names uh, first listed to fill the, the void by Leonard Hamilton were Southwest Missouri State's Charlie Spoonauer. Uh, Mike Newell, Bob Bender, James Booten, Jim Kerwin, or the name that Barry Trammell throws out, what if OSU had rolled the dice on a 27-year-old Bill Self? He had been an assistant under Leonard Hamilton, kind of like a Mike Boynton, you could say, you know, the, the young, uh, charismatic assistant on Hamilton's staff. Uh, what if uh, they had just hired Bill Self when he was 27 years old? Who knows what would have happened? But obviously, I think it worked out pretty well that Eddie came back. 27 can you imagine yeah i don't i don't see you know mike holder may have hired a 27 bill self because he himself was hired as a what a 23 24 year old to, to coach golf yeah. but uh, yeah. i don't think the hierarchies uh, myron roderick i don't think would have hired him back then yeah um my one interesting thing so i was going to bring this up earlier i just now thought of it again uh and 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 this is actually related to to what you were just talking about but uh Barry Trammell points out that if you if you just take the Eddie Sutton era out of Oklahoma State basketball, just just remove the whole thing, it hasn't been pretty. It, no. it has been um, there's been a lot of futility. So I think when we talk about Oklahoma State basketball being this great program and historically relevant, yes, in the forty thirties and forties, right. Um, so that that part matters. But then other than Eddie, and I, I realized saying other than Eddie, like that was a huge stretch. That was 15, you know, 16 years, whatever it was. But if you just look at everything outside of that, the last 15 years and the pre the, the 40 years leading up to that, it's kind of bad. I mean, I and I don't I don't really I think we think of Oklahoma State basketball as being more historically relevant or better than Oklahoma State football. But if you if you compare the Eddie era to the Mike Gundy era in football, are they really that different? I mean, they they sort of feel like the same, don't they? Well, yes and no. Um, I think the problem with that argument, though, Kyle, is 
Henry Iba was there 36 years. Eddie was there 16. So that's 52 years. They had two coaches. So if you take, if you take one of those out, it's, it's not really a, a fair sample size, in my opinion. So it's easy yeah, to say, guess, well, they haven't had any success without those two, but those two coached there for half a century. Yeah, that, that's fair. I think I just weight the, the modern era more heavily. And if you look at the last 50 years of Oklahoma State football and basketball, they've been kind of the same thing, right? Like we're in the Eddie Sutton era of football. For, for the football team mm-hmm. and there hasn't been like a second peak for the basketball team it's just been that one era so i think there's sort of two arguments going on there the the overarching historical one where yes you're right about the longevity and the years mattering but then the more modern one it's like i don't know i don't i don't feel like they've been that that different yep i would agree but um hopefully mike boynton can can get them to where he he wants to take them. So yeah, I agree. Fun pod. Yep, good stuff, Carson. Uh, we will talk uh, probably probably next week. Probably uh, beginning of next week, something like that. But uh, yeah, everybody keep checking out the forum. We've had a lot going on in there. People hollering, people uh, dropping little nuggets, and uh, we're going to continue to crank out content. Hopefully, there will be a Big Twelve plan for football soon, and. Uh, We will have a bunch of stuff on it whenever it comes out. So, Carson, we'll talk to you soon. Congrats again on getting engaged, and I will talk to you later. Thank you. Good luck on uh, Shed 2.0. Can't wait to see it in person. (laughs)